Chapter thirty one of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter thirty one. Berlin, April eighteen twenty one. Presentation at Versailles. Hunting with the King. The fatal day arrived. I was obliged to set out for Versailles more dead than alive. My brother took me thither the evening before my presentation, and left me at the house of Marshal de Durat, a clever man, of such a general stamp of mind that he showed something of the citizen in his refined manners. This good marshal, however, gave me a dreadful feeling of fear. On the next morning I went alone to the palace. Those who have never seen the pomp of Versailles may be said to have seen nothing, even after the dismantling of the old residence of the king. Louis the fourteenth seemed always there. Everything went well, as long as I had only to cross the guard-rooms. Military pomp has always pleased, but never daunted me. But when I entered the Eau de Boeuf, and found myself in the midst of courtiers, then began my embarrassment. They looked at me. I heard someone asking who I was. We must bear in mind the old prestige in favour of royalty, thoroughly to comprehend the importance of being then presented. A mysterious destiny belonged to the debutant, he was spared that contemptuous patronising air mixed with extreme politeness which constituted the inimitable manners of a grand seigneur who knows whether this newcomer may not become the king's favourite in him they respected the future domestic privileges with which he might be honoured now we hurry into the palace with much greater eagerness than formerly and strange to say without illusion a courtier reduced to live upon truth is very likely to die of hunger when the king's levee was announced the persons not presented withdrew i felt an emotion of vanity i was not proud of remaining but i should have felt humiliated at having to retire the royal bedchamber door opened i saw the king according to custom finishing his toilet that is taking his hat from the chamberlain in waiting he advanced on his way to the chapel to hear mass i bowed marshal de durand announced my name sire the chevalier de chateaubriand the king looked at me returned my salutation hesitated and appeared as if he wished to address me. I would have replied with a firm countenance. My timidity had vanished. Speaking to the general of the army or the chief of the state appeared to me a very simple matter, without my being able to account for what I felt. The king, more embarrassed than I, finding nothing to say to me, passed on. Vanity of human destinies! This sovereign, whom I then saw for the first time, this monarch so powerful, was Louis the Sixteenth. Only six years before he was brought to the scaffold, and this new courtier whom he scarcely looked at charged with distinguishing bones from bones after having been presented to the descendant of st louis after proof of nobility was one day to be with his ashes after proof of fidelity a double tribute of respect to the twofold royalty of a sceptre and of a heavenly crown louis the sixteenth might have replied to his judges in the words which christ used to the jews many good works have i showed you for which of these works do ye stone me we hastened to the gallery in order to be in the queen's passage on her return from the chapel she soon appeared surrounded by a numerous and brilliant cortege she gave us a gracious salutation she appeared enchanted with life and those beautiful hands which then carried with so much grace the sceptre of such a long race of kings were before being bound by the executioner to be employed in mending the rags of the widow a prisoner in the conciergerie if my brother obtained from me a sacrifice it was not in his power to push his advantage further he entreated me in vain to remain at versailles in order to be present in the evening at the queen's party 
you will be presented to the queen said he and the king will speak to you he could not have given me a better reason for hastening my departure i hurried away to conceal my glory in my furnished lodgings happy at having escaped from the court but still seeing before me the terrible line of carriages of the nineteenth of february seventeen eighty seven the duc de coigny sent to let me know that i was to go out hunting with the king in the forest of st germain i set out early in the morning towards my punishment in the uniform of a debutant a grey coat red waistcoat and small clothes jockey boots a hanger by my side and a little french hat with a gold lace band there were four of us newcomers at the palace of versailles the two messieurs de saint marceau count d'autruy and myself the duc de coigny gave us our instructions he warned us not to cross the scent the king being angry when any one passed between him and the game the duc de coigny bore a name fatal to the queen the place of meeting was at val in the forest of st germain a domain pledged by the crown to marshal de beauvau custom required that those presented at court should on their first hunting excursion be supplied with horses from the king's stable the drums beat the guard takes arms the word of command is given the king is announced he comes forth and enters his carriage we roll along in the carriages of the suite there was a great difference between this drive and hunt with the king and my drives and hunts in the plains of bretagne and still more between this and my hunting excursions with the savages of america my life was to be full of these contrasts we arrived at the rallying point where numbers of saddle-horses led about under the trees exhibited their impatience the carriages left in the forest with the guards the groups of men and women the pack with difficulty restrained by the huntsmen the baying of the dogs the neighing of the horses and the noise of the horns formed a highly animated scene the hunting parties of our kings recalled at once the ancient and the modern manners of the monarchy the rude pastimes of clovis chilperic and dagobert and the gallantry of francis i of henry the fourth and louis fourteenth i was too full of my readings not to see everywhere comtesse de chateaubriand duchesse d'etampes gabriel d'estrée la valliere de montespan my imagination regarded this hunting party historically and i felt myself at my ease i was moreover in a forest and therefore at home on alighting from the carriages i presented my ticket to one of the masters of the hunt a mare called heureuse was allotted to me of light mould but badly mouthed skittish and full of caprice she formed a lively image of my fortunes and was continually pricking up her ears the king having mounted set out the whole field followed him taking different routes i remained behind to try a struggle with heureuse who was very unwilling to be bestridden by her new master i succeeded however in throwing myself on her back the party was already at a distance i contrived at first to manage heureuse pretty well compelled to shorten her gallop she put down her neck champed the foaming bit and bounded with short leaps from side to side but as she drew near to the scene of action it became impossible to restrain her she threw up her head pulled my hand down to the saddle-bow dashed at full speed into the midst of a crowd of hunters clearing everything in her course and never stopped till she came in contact with the horse of a woman which she overturned in the midst of roars of laughter from some and cries of fear from others it is quite in vain for me now to attempt to recall the name of that woman who received my apologies with great politeness the whole talk of the day turned upon the adventure of the debutant i was not however at the end of my trials about half an hour after my discomfiture i was riding in a long alley crossing some wild parts of the wood a pavilion rose at the extremity this made me begin to think of the palaces scattered through the royal forests calling to mind the origin of the long-haired kings and their mysterious pleasures a shot was fired heureuse turned short round 
brush with her head down into the thicket and carried me precisely to the spot at which the stag had just been brought down the king appeared i then remembered but too late the injunctions of the duc de coigny the cursed heureuse had done it all i leapt to the ground with one hand pushing back my mare with the other holding off my hat the king looked at me and merely saw that a debutant was in before him at the death he wished to speak and instead of being angry he said to me in a good-humoured tone and with a loud laugh it has not lasted long these were the only words i ever heard from louis the sixteenth the suite came in from all sides and were astonished to find me talking with the king the debutant chateaubriand made some noise in consequence of his adventures but as it has always happened since he knew neither how to profit by his good nor his evil fortune the king ran three other stags the debutants not being allowed to ride more than the first run i went to wait at val with my companions for the king's return from the hunt his majesty returned to val he was in good humour and gave an account of the accidents of the chase we took the road to versailles there was a new disappointment for my brother for instead of going to dress in order to attend at the unbooting of the king a moment of triumph and favour i threw myself into the corner of my carriage and re-entered paris full of joy at being delivered from my honours and my evils i declared to my brother that i was determined to return to bretagne satisfied with having made his name known and hoping one day to bring to maturity by his own appearance at court what had proved barren in mine he made no more opposition to the departure of such an odd brother such was my first view of the city and of the court society appeared to me even more odious than i had imagined it but if it frightened it did not discourage me i felt confusedly that i was superior to what i had seen i took an unconquerable disgust to the court this disgust or rather this contempt which i could not conceal will prevent my success or make me fall from the highest point of my career however if i formed an opinion of the world without having seen it the world in its turn knew nothing of me no one at my debut guessed what i might be worth and on my return to paris it was as little calculated on since my mournful celebrity many persons have said to me how we should have noticed you if we had met you in your youth this compliment is nothing but the illusion of a fame already gained men resemble each other in the exterior in vain rousseau has told us that he possessed a pair of small but very charming eyes it is no less certain witness his portrait that he had the air of a schoolmaster or a growling shoemaker to finish with the court i will add that after having revisited bretagne and come to settle in paris with my younger sisters lucile and julie i plunged more than ever into my solitary habits i may be asked what became of the history of my presentation it stopped there you then never hunted any more with the king no more than with the emperor of china you never returned then to versailles i went twice as far as sevres my heart failed me and i returned to paris you derived no advantage then from your position none what did you do then i wearied so then you felt none of the stirrings of ambition just so by the help of intrigues and anxieties i effected the glory of inserting in the almanac des muses a pastoral whose appearance seemed to kill me with hope and fear i would have given all the king's carriages to have composed the romance o ma tendre musette or de mon berger volage useful in everything for others good for nothing for myself such i am End of chapter 31